What's up, everybody? Matt here, and this is the uh, first episode of our new podcast. And I've been waiting a really long time to do this. I've come up with every excuse in the world to not do it. You know, just fretting about whether or not we have the right mic or the right recording software or, you know, whether or not we've got the right intros and outros and bells and whistles. And I finally just said, forget it. Let's get this thing out. We'll learn a lot. We'll get it going. And I think this can provide a lot of value to you as you're designing your homes and trying to make sense of what tech you should include in your homes. It's one of the things that, that I've really thought a lot about is how do we make this unique, you know, a little bit different from what we're already doing on YouTube or Instagram so that it still provides value for you, but hopefully can be entertaining as well. And one of the things that I really want to do here is talk more about our story and the journey of being a smart home company, some of the ups and downs, some of the successes, some of the failures we've had. Uh, both on past projects and also on existing projects. There's a lot we can learn when the project doesn't go well and when clients are unhappy. In fact, an awful lot of why I believe we've found success in the industry is what we've learned from some of those jobs that didn't go well at all. And then hopefully just kind of telling you that story of the projects we're working on and the highs and lows will make this more entertaining, uh, but also provide a, a great vehicle to deliver some excellent tips and help for you while you're designing your own smart home. So one of, the, one of the questions that we get asked all the time, you know, usually when a client comes to us as part of our design service and, and they want us to look at their project with them and help them design a system, early on in the conversation, almost always, the question that comes or, or the statement that comes is, is to the effect of, hey, I, I've, I just want to make sure that my smart home works, that I enjoy using it. I've been to a buddy's house. I didn't love his system. I've, I've tested this system over here at another person's house. I didn't love it. This is an investment. I just, I just want to love my system. That's all I want. And then the question usually follows, like, what's the number one thing I can do? Or what's the number one platform to make sure that I love my system? And I'm, I'm going to answer that question for you here in a minute. But, but it makes me remember uh, when we were first getting going. And uh, I'll tell you more about this in, in, the next, in the next episode. But we had recently moved our company from Dallas. We've been in Dallas for if about three years. Uh, and we had just moved our company back to Salt Lake City, Utah, because we had, we had landed a contract with a home builder doing about 300 homes a year standard with uh, a smart home package. Eventually, it became Control 4. And cool opportunity, uh, but it frankly didn't go well at all. Uh, the builder wasn't real happy with us. And we weren't real happy with the builder. And it, over about a three-year period, just got progressively worse. With about a year left in that in that process, I had a meeting with one of the owners of the building company. You know, he asked me, he said, Matt, what, what do we have to do to have a happy customer? You know, and I, I, I gave him some answers. And he finally comes back and he goes, Matt, the most important thing for us to do is to meet their expectations. We don't have to exceed the expectations. We just need to meet the expectations. And he made the point, he said, most co companies fall woefully short of meeting expectations. We're so concerned about exceeding expectations, and that's great if we can, but if we just meet expectations, we'll have really happy clients. If we're able to exceed the expectations, well, it's a bonus. And for me personally, it got me really thinking differently about what we do. And I started, you know, Greg and I started reviewing projects and projects specific to this home builder and kind of asking ourselves the question, like, what went wrong on this project? What went wrong with this client? And little by little, what kept coming out was 
that the client didn't understand well enough what they were actually getting from us. And their expectation of what the system would do or how it would perform didn't match reality. Sure, there, there was, out of 300 homes a year, there were certainly some projects that didn't go the way we wanted them to. But in general, when it didn't work out, it didn't work out because what they had purchased in their mind was different than what they received. And so we started going to work, kind of doubling down on this idea of like, okay, how do we make sure that when a client buys video distribution, that they really understand what video distribution is doing and what it is not doing? I'll give you an example. With this particular builder, we had a package that we would sell and, and it was kind of price driven. We were, the builder in particular, really wanted to get uh, a Sonos type experience into a home uh, in two rooms for the least amount of money possible. And at the time, there really wasn't a great solution for that that was price point driven. So what we did is we took one Sonos amp and we split it across two rooms like a great room and a master bedroom. And we used volume controls to manage the two sides of that zone. So um, I'm not going to dive into this too deep, but basically what happens when you do that is that both of those rooms, the great room and the master bedroom, they come on and off at the same time because they're the same zone. So the, the song that you pick plays to both rooms, the volume plays to both rooms, and there's nothing you can do to change that except put a volume control in each room then you can walk up to the room and you can turn that room off, if that makes sense. And so that was kind of our, our hack to deliver a, a two-room system on a budget using Sonos. This was like six, seven years ago, right? And the problem with that is clients just didn't wrap their head around the fact that that wasn't going to be two distinct rooms. It was going to be one zone, even with a volume control. And so we consistently had angry clients. So we started looking at it and going, all right. We started building out all these like one sheets and we would say, okay, this is what you're getting. This is the two volume controls and there was photos of it. And then we even had sort of a disclaimer section. And the whole point of the disclaimer section was say, just to be clear, this is what your system will not do. This is the experience that you will not have just so that clients wouldn't move into their homes and go, hey, wait a second. I thought it was going to perform differently than it is. And the further we dug into this, the, the, the more things kind of started to expand. The whole reason that we're on YouTube, the, the whole reason that we have a blog, is we started seeing these trends with clients where we would go, hey, consistently when we do video distribution, we have this same problem. So let's create a YouTube video and let's talk about it and address it. And when clients would come to us and start designing their system, we would send them to this YouTube video or to this link of blogs and say, you know, check this out, read this, watch this, so that when you buy video distribution or when you buy a Control 4 system, you really understand exactly what you're going to get. And the other piece to the puzzle in all this is we started recognizing how important system design was. And so, like, I remember one time we were at this guy's basement, and he's one of our favorite clients, And but we'd been in his house for a long time, and in the bulk of this, it was a takeover. He'd purchased an existing home, had a system inside, and he wanted to upgrade it to a Savant system. And he brought to the table one of his own surround sound receivers. And we were pretty new still. And we're, we're downstairs in this guy's basement. And it's like our third day in a row down there at midnight. And they're ready to kick us out, being patient. But like you can tell, they're, they're losing their patience. And my brother hasn't really said a lot to me. I just know he's trying to figure something out. And I finally just ask him, I'm like, hey, dude, like, what's going on? 
what's happening here? Help me understand so I can make sure we don't do this again. And he said, well, client brought a receiver to the table that can't be controlled. There's nothing I can do. And it, it has these limitations on it. And so I can power it on and off, but I can't change its inputs. I really can't change its volume. I'm trying to hack it, but it's not working. But I said, you mean <laughs> we've spent four hours this evening trying to fix a receiver that is never going to work? And he's like, yeah. So I walk upstairs to the client. I'm like, hey, we're buying you a new receiver. We'll be back. And we put in a new receiver for that client. And we got back to the office later the next week. And we, and we talked about this. And he said, what are the places when we design a system that are causing this kind of problem where you're spending hours custom programming or doing custom programming for service and warranty because the system design was flawed or we used products that had no business being in the system in the first place. And one of the major pain points at the time were the TVs that we were using. And what we discovered is that a lot of clients, understandably, want to bring their own TVs to the table. They find a special on Black Friday or whatever, or the cool Vizio TV or, you know, like a TCL TV, and they want to bring it to the table, and it doesn't control well. So we just started telling clients point blank, if you purchase video distribution or if you want us to uh, incorporate TV control, the ability to control your TVs and your video sources, like an Apple TV or a Roku, from your smartphone or from voice, whatever, you have to use TVs that we approve. If you make sure we approve the TV, awesome, it's this price point. If you bring your own TV to the table, we're going to charge custom programming and custom rates. And we thought for sure that clients were going to tell us to kick rocks, like we were taking too firm a stance. But just the opposite happened. All of a sudden, our business started to take off. We, were, we won a few awards. We started landing some bigger projects. Clients started finding our content on YouTube. We started getting requests from all over the country to start you know, doing design consulting and, and doing systems for people. Business really took off a different direction. And about this time, we kind of sat down together and we started really asking the question, you know, what's changed? And more importantly, what's the number one difference between our happiest clients and our clients that maybe aren't as happy or aren't happy at all? Like, what's that number one thing that's different? And the answer really surprised us. What we discovered is that the clients who were the happiest, the most satisfied with their systems, had been the most involved in the system design process. If you follow us online, you know we've got uh, some information products we've put together. We've got ebooks, we've got all of our digital courses at Time U. Uh, we use some email, we use you know, YouTube and Instagram. We also have our design service where clients send us their plans and we do some consulting to help them design their system or if they do the virtual theater, the virtual theater. But it's all around this idea of get, helping you get involved in the process of designing your own system. Now, what's interesting is a lot of times clients have been looking at these products and I get a phone call you know, daily and people say, hey, I'm looking at your design service but I don't want to design my own system. I'm, I'm not techie. I don't want to engineer it. I don't want to install it. I just want somebody to tell me what I need to put in my home. And I totally get that. We always have this conversation. We're like, well, look, the design service and these products out there, like the pre-wire ebook and our, our courses on Time U, yeah, a lot of people use those and end up doing the work themselves, but that's like a very, very small percent, like less than 10%. The majority of our clients use those products, and the reason we put them out there is to help you be confident, so much so that if you had to design your own system, you could. 
Sure, you're not going to engineer it at a really nitty-gritty level that the programmer needs, but you would understand why you would choose video distribution or why you would not. And why, if you were getting video distribution, why you would want some of the extra bells and whistles like audio down mixing. Why you would need or wouldn't need uh, fiber for cable. Why you would get into low-voltage lighting like Ketra or USAI versus just doing regular lighting control. Those kind of nuances you would understand for yourself. And what we saw start to happen is that the more our clients understand about basic design concepts and fundamentals, the happier they are with their system. Because going back to the advice from the builder, the expectations become aligned. Your expectations of what the system will actually do and how it will really perform, but also its bugs and its quirks. As you start to get into this and really understand it, you'll understand some of the limitations as well. And, and some of the things that the system can't do or that it won't be very enjoyable to have it do. And then we're able to deliver a system that more consistently matches those expectations. So it's a little bit of a dance. When clients come to us, we really need clients to work with us to wrap their head around the products and what they're doing. A big part of the design service is hopping on a phone call with clients and reviewing the project with them on a Zoom call and looking at their floor plans and looking at their quote and walking through the project and, and letting them ask a ton of questions and answering those questions in a manner that helps your expectations become increasingly clear. So when you're asking, hey, what's the number one way I can make sure that I have a system that I love, that, that works, that my family enjoys using, that's easy, get involved with the design process. You don't need to engineer it. You don't need to DIY it. But start watching some videos, start watching, um, you know, if, if you have access to time, you watch some of the digital courses, you know, whoever your dealer is in town that you're going to work with, you know, really dig deep in the system design. Go to their showrooms, ask them if you can use some time using their systems and play with it long enough to kind of get a feel of some of the quirks. Maybe you don't totally love the way the buttons are on the screen, but you're okay with it. Like it's not a deal breaker. It's just you recognize that before you buy the system. You know, anything you can do to familiarize yourself with how the system's actually going to work. And the more that happens, the better the dealer is going to be able to deliver a system that performs the way you expect it to do, and ultimately the happier you're going to be. So that's my advice. That's my best tip on making sure that you love your systems. And that is where we're going to leave this one. That's where we're going to wrap up episode number one. Hopefully that's provide some value. Uh, next week, we're going to tell you a little bit more about that journey you're doing 300 smart homes a year, 300 control four systems, uh, and how we lost that job and what we learned from it. So make sure you stay around and listen for that. Uh, appreciate you listening and we'll see you soon.